Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, I chose The Hands of Mr. Smith from The Haunting Hour. The Haunting Hour was a mystery horror anthology series produced for syndication in the mid-1940s. Outside of that, very little is known about the program. According to the Digital Delhi website, there were 52 unique scripts produced with the possibility of more that have yet to be verified. Of those 52, roughly 40-some exist in circulation today. Author John Dunning in his Encyclopedia of Old Time Radio describes the tone of the program very succinctly. Typical mystery ambiance, tolling church bells, echoing footsteps, high melodrama. How accurate is this assessment? Let's listen to the hands of Mr. Smith and find out. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. stillness of this moment, for this is a time of mystery, a time when imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is the haunting hour. Mr. Smith. Midnight, an alleyway, dark and ominously quiet, in the dimly lighted factory district on the outskirts of a big city. In the black shadows, two men wait, their hats pulled down over their eyes, their hands tense in their overcoat pockets. Suddenly, one of the men leans forward in the velvet darkness to peer down the deserted street. I, I don't see him, Russ. He'll be along. I can hardly wait to get my hands on that dough. Yeah. Hey, look, Russ. My hands. The way they're shaking. Take it easy, Tiny. <laughs> it's funny. Every time I wait to stick up a guy... My mitts get shaken like this. You keep them paws under control. Oh, sure, sure. I'm not kidding. Oh, I won't do nothing. I won't touch the guy. Remember that. But why don't he come, Russ? Get back here. But where is he? I can see the factory door, but he ain't come out yet. Get back here, I said. Okay, okay, okay. Listen. The car's coming. Cops. Huh? 
police car. A couple of lousy cops. Shut up. Well, maybe they'll spot our car. Maybe they'll stop and start looking around. I said shut up. Oh, look, they're going by. They ain't stopping. Stand still. Uh, they turned the corner. Oh, that's better. Gee. Now my hands are shaking worse than ever. I told you to keep them big paws quiet. I'm trying to, Russ. A guy can't do more than that. Don't do it. When this cashier comes along, keep your hands in your pocket. Then you won't be tempted. I'll remember. I won't touch him, Russ. Here he comes. Are you sure? That's him. He's all alone. He just came out of the factory. He's carrying something. A paper bag. He's got the dough in a paper bag. Uh-huh. This is one trip to the bank he ain't never going to finish. Steady now. Okay, mister, get him up. Well, uh, who are you? Get him up, the man said. Take the bag, Tiny. Don't shoot. I I won't yell. (laughs) He won't yell, he says. Take that bag, Tiny, you sap. I don't like this guy. Keep your hands down, Tiny. Give me that bag. Sure. I I said I would. How much is in here? Three thousand dollars. Three thousand? Listen, you punk. Stop. Cut it out, Tiny. But only 3000 he said. Stop joking. I don't like you. Let go of him, Tiny. But I don't like him. He looks like that guard in the big house. I give you the money. Yeah, and I've given you something. Stop, Tiny. Let go or I'll knock you cold. Yeah, this guy won't stand still. Drop him. Let go. Okay. Okay. I'll let him go. You killed him. Huh? You killed him, you sap. He's dead. But he looked just like that guard that slugged me. Get in the car. We're going to leave him here? Get in the car, I said. Where's the door? I got it. Get in. Move. Address him laying there. Suppose them cops come back. Shut the door. We're getting out of here. Where are we going? This ain't the way to the apartment. We're not going to the apartment. Oh, why not? I told Claire I'd bring the money home tonight. Keep watching that rearview mirror. There ain't no cops on our trail. But where are we going, We're Russ? ditching this car, you dope. Oh, yeah. Sure, we don't need this hot jalopy no more tonight. I thought I told you to keep your hands off that cashier. Oh, now listen, we Russ. We had I... this stick up in the bag, but you had to go and scrag the guy. I didn't mean to kill him, but there was something about him and... Once I got my mitts on his throat... I know you can't make those big paws behave. I'm sorry, Russ. I had my rod on him. All you had to do was take the bag, get in the car while I knocked him cold, and we had smooth sailing. I said I was sorry, Russ. You're always sorry. But look. Look, we got the three grand, didn't we? We're in the clear. Nobody saw us. Nobody heard us. What do you mean, us? I didn't kill him. Hey. What's the matter? Back there. I think a prowl car just turned the corner. Well, is it? Uh, No. That ain't no prowl car. Just a black sedan like this one. It pulled up the curb. We'll turn off at the next corner, Brain. Plenty deserted around here. Why don't we stop here? Go on a little further along where it's darker. Claire's going to wonder what's happened. I said I'd be at the apartment by half past twelve. Well, no, soon enough. Yeah. Uh, wait till I show her the three grand we got. Uh, wait till she hears about the murder. Oh, I won't tell her tonight. No, she can read it in the morning papers. 
Mm. Hey, you know, we're getting kind of far out of town. When are we going to stop? Right here. I'll go off the road. Okay. We'll leave her here. Yeah, that's a good spot. <laughs> Not even a house in sight. Uh, give me your gun, Tiny. My gun? Your gat. Give it to me. But, but what for? To keep you out of trouble. Ah, oh, now listen, Russ. Now, we're I... leaving this car. We're walking to the nearest bus line. If there's a cop on the bus and he looks at you twice, you're going to start shooting, so uh-huh. hand over your rod. Okay, here it is. That's better. And now, Tiny, give me the money. Huh? The paper bag with the money. Hand it over. Hey, what is this? Give me the money, Tiny. Oh, sure. Here it is. Come on, now let's get out of this car. Sit still. Huh? You're staying here. Wait, wait a minute. Keep those hands quiet. Hey, Russ, watch that gun. You're pointing it right at me. You said it. I'm washed up with you and so is Claire. What? It... Claire? Yeah, Claire, your wife. She's fed up to the teeth, so am I. You and Claire... Oh, so that's why you didn't drive the apartment. That's why you came way out here. You and Claire crossing me up. I... You're figuring I'm bumping me off? That's right. Give me that gun. You bet I will. I'll get you for this. I'll get Claire and you if I have to dig my way out of my own grave. We've got to beat it, Russ. We've got to pack up and beat it out of here tonight. What, at 2 o'clock in the morning? Not on your life. We're staying here until this whole thing blows over. But that cashier, maybe the cops have found him already. They're bound to find him soon. They're bound to find Tiny. What of it, Claire? They can't connect it up with you and me. I'm scared, Russ. Suppose Tiny wasn't dead. Suppose he drove the car back here to the apartment somehow. <laughs> you must believe in ghosts. He said he'd get us, didn't he? He said he'd get us if he had to dig his way out of his own grave. Oh, I shouldn't have told you that. Come on. Let's get out of here. Nothing doing, Claire. We're staying right here. Come on, baby. Unlock the trunk. The trunk? Sure. We'll hide the dough in your trunk until this whole thing blows over. Come on, honey. Unlock it. It is unlocked. Mm-hmm. This lid is kind of rusty, huh? There we are. I'll shove this three grand under all these clothes. Those are Tiny's clothes. Oh, come on. Relax, Claire. Now let me lock it. Wait. <laughs> What's the matter? You've locked the trunk. Oh, sure. But Tiny has the only key. He always carries it with him. What about it? We'll get another one. I'll have a new one made tomorrow. What was that? Sounded like glass breaking. It was here in the apartment somewhere. Maybe it wasn't. I'm sure it was. Sounded like it came from the bathroom. Well, let's find out. Wait a minute. What for? Have your gun ready. My gun? That window in the bathroom. Maybe Tiny climbed up the fire Oh, will you forget, Tiny? He's dead, I tell you. Come on. Let's find out what that noise was. There, you see? There's no one in the bathroom. The window's open. I closed it and locked it tonight before you and Tiny left. Oh, now listen, Claire. Look. Look, there on the windowsill. What's the matter now? Blood. Blood on the windowsill. Yeah. And here, on the floor, more of it. I tell you, Tiny did come back. 
He drove that car back here, climbed the fire escape, and he's hiding here in the apartment waiting to kill us. Quiet, Claire, quiet. I'm getting out of here. Oh, no, you're not. You go find down the street at this time of night, some cop will pick you up as sure as my name's Rogers. But that blood on the sill, on the floor, the window open. Oh, wait a second. Oh, this stuff on the floor, this isn't blood. Of course it's blood. Oh, no, Claire, you're wrong. Look, 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 there, under the bathtub. What is it? A bottle. A little bottle of that stuff you paint your nails with. I kept that bottle on the windowsill. All right, okay. So the wind, something blew it off. That's what we heard. This bottle breaking. That's what made those spots in here. Listen. Police car. Sounded like it. Stopped in front of the building. Soon find out. Come on, living Suppose they followed Tiny here. Suppose he drove the car back here. Will you stop talking about Tiny? Put out the lights. What for? Put out the lights, Claire. All right. Now, peek under this window shade and see where that police car is. Are they out front? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Two cops in front of the building. What are they doing? They're... They're looking at a car. What car? A black sedan parked in front of the building. You said the car you used tonight was a black sedan. All right. There's a million black sedans in this country, Mike. But why are the cops looking at the one out front? Why are they putting their flashlights on the running board? Why are they looking inside? How do I know? Because Tiny drove it here. He isn't dead. You didn't kill him. He drove that car back here, climbed the fire escape, and he's in the apartment somewhere waiting to get it. Somebody at the door. Shh. What are you going to do? story, The Hands of Mr. Smith. The midnight robbery of a cashier by two gunmen, Russ Rogers and Tiny Smith, developed swiftly into murder. Tiny, a powerful man with enormous hands, seized the cashier by the throat and killed him. Rogers, furious at his partner's stupidity, then shot Smith and left him in the black sedan in which they had made their getaway. With the stolen money, Rogers hurried to Smith's apartment. There, with Smith's wife, Claire, he hid the money in an old trunk. Suddenly, a police siren sounded outside the building. Then the buzzer to the Smith's apartment hummed like an angry bee. Somebody's at the door. Open up, Smith. Police. What are we going to do? Put on the lights. You're going to give yourself up? Let me handle this. Put on the lights. Okay. Open up in there, Mr. Smith. We want in. Well, uh, uh, just a minute. I'm coming. Ah, you folks are heavy sleepers. What's the matter, officer? There's a black sedan uh. parked in front of the building with a lot of blood on the running board. Blood? Yeah. All over the running board and a lot more inside. Well, what's it got to do with us? We don't own a car. You don't, huh? No. Maybe you know whose car it is, then. 
Take a look out the window. I already did. I thought you just got out of bed. I did. I heard the siren out front, came in the living living room, and looked out the window. I went back to put on some clothes to go downstairs and find out what it was all about. Who owns that car out front? I don't know. I never saw it in my life before. Hmm. Where's the janitor this joint? Janitor? Mr. Monks and his wife live in the basement. There's nobody home. Sometimes the monks stay overnight with Mrs. Monks' sister. She lives over in Glendale somewhere. Do the monks own a car? Not that I know of. Mm. Who lives in the apartment above this one? Uh, 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 let's see. Uh, An old bachelor. A man named Weaver. Maybe that black sedan belongs to him. We wouldn't know. Okay, folks. Sorry to get you out of bed at this time in the morning. That's all right, officer. I'll go up and talk to this Weaver guy. Uh, maybe that uh, stuff on the running board ain't blood, huh? It's blood, all right. Good night. Good night, officer. You're lying to me, Russ. That black sedan out front is the one you killed Tiny. Now, listen, Claire. Tiny didn't die. He drove the car back here. Oh, I tell you, you're nuts. Tiny's dead. That car in front of the building only looks like the one I, I, I used tonight. Then how do you explain the blood on the running board? How do you explain the blood inside? I can't explain it. I can, because it's the car you shot Tiny in. He came back here. He's hiding in the apartment somewhere, waiting to kill us. He said he'd dig his way out of his own grave to get it. Oh, what a sap I was to tell you that. Let's get away, Russ. Let's beat it out of here. And leave that three grand locked in the trunk? Uh Uh-uh. Why did you have to lock that trunk? I told you Tiny had the only key. And I told you I'd have another key made in the morning. Listen. I heard it. Somebody's out in the kitchen. Oh, don't be a sap. There's no one in this apartment but you and me. Then what was that noise? I don't know. Probably the cat knocked over something on the kitchen table. There it is again. I tell you, Tiny's here. Tiny's dead. He's dead. Do you hear me? In that car, two miles away. Wait. Where are you going? I'm going out in the kitchen. Don't leave me alone. I'm not leaving you alone. You're coming with me. Maybe you believe in ghosts. I don't. Come on. Look. Look, in the bedroom. Oh, uh... Can't be. That that's impossible. I knew it. I knew he'd come back. But it can't be. It it can't be tiny. We're seeing things. Why doesn't he say something? Why doesn't he do something? Why does he just lie there on the bed? I'm going in the bedroom. No. Don't go near him. I'm gonna get the key to that trunk. Don't touch him, Russ. Don't go near him. But Tiny has the key. You told me I gotta get it out of his pocket. We'll get the money and beat it. He... he isn't breathing. Shh. His eyes. I can't look at them. All right. Steady now. I'll slip my hand in his pocket. I got it. I got the key. Hello, Russ. Let go of my wrist. I said I'd come back, Russ. Let go of my wrist. Drop the key. Claire. Claire, get the gun out of my back pocket. A gun won't help you, Russ. You ought to know that now. You're breaking my wrist. Then drop the key on the bed. Okay, okay, I dropped it. That's my pal. Claire. Don't come near him, Claire. Take the key, Claire. Don't come near him, I tell you. Pick up the key. Come around on the other side of the bed and get it. Yes, Tiny. You've always been a good wife, Claire. Take the key. The money we got tonight belongs to you. Tiny, with this money we can all get away. Sure we can. Pick up the key. Don't be afraid. 
All right. I will. Now. Stop! Let go of me! Now we're all together again. Your hand is breaking my wrist! We're all together again. <laughs> you and me and Russ. Russ? Why don't you do something? Yeah, Russ. Why don't you do something? I can't even move. <laughs> These big hands of mine, they're better than a gun. They can hold you two here, maybe forever. Again. Ah, Dora, it's only 8 o'clock in the morning. The Schmidts don't get up this early. We'll get them up. I'm going to find out about this. I'm going back downstairs and finish my breakfast. You are not. You're the janitor of this building, and you're supposed to know what's going on with the tenants. Ah, that don't mean i got to wake them up and ask some foolish questions. I want to know if the man we heard about on the radio is our Mr. Smith. It can't be. How do you know? Go on, go on. Push uh, the button. We've had enough trouble last night over to your sister's house. Why go looking for more? This ain't looking for trouble. If it was him, we got to know sooner or later, and I want to know now. Uh, sure going to be mad. I want to know, that's all. You never can tell the tenants. Who'd think that mild old Mr. Weaver was the kind to go out hunting wild animals? Ah, that's different. All right, all right. Stop the buzzer, monks. You've buzzed long enough to wake the dead. For crying out loud, Dora. This is a fine way to start the day. I haven't Try even... the door. Uh, I haven't... Uh... The door, monks. Go on, try it. Maybe it's unlocked. All right. Hey, it is unlocked. Well, open it. Go on in. Hey, they got the lights in the living room all turned on. I knew it. I tell you, there's something wrong with them Smiths. <gasps> For crying out loud. Do you see what I see, Dora? Money. It's money laying all over the floor. They must have been storing that money in that trunk. Look, it's open. Yeah. Some money inside of it, too. Well, the Schmidt's never had so much money. Mm, as far as we knew. Ah, there was always something fishy about them Smiths. And their friend, too, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Hey, what are we going to do? Huh? What's that? There's someone in the bedroom. It, it, it don't sound like Mr. Smith. No. No, that's not Mr. Smith. Well, come on, let's get out of here. Are you crazy? We're going to find out what's the matter here. We're going into that bedroom. Now, 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 no. be careful, Dora. There's no telling who it is. <gasps> wait, wait. Don't go no further. Wait. It's Mr. Rogers. Yes. What in the world's happened to him? Listen. Listen to what he's saying. Car with blood all over it. That was Tiny's car. He came back. Oh, he must have seen Mr. Weaver's car outside with all the blood on it. You'd better tell that old gent that he's scaring the other tenants. It's none of our business if he wants to go off shooting wild animals. But to bring them home dripping blood, it's enough to scare the wits out of anyone. Blood dripping. It was Tiny's blood. Uh, uh, now, Mr. Rogers, that was deer blood. Mr. Weaver's upstairs went hunting yesterday. No, make them let me go. Make them take the cuffs off. Uh, cuffs? 
Tiny did it. He clamped me to the bed. Uh, you're not clamped to the bed, Mr. Rogers. Your sleeve's caught in the rod at the edge of the bed. Monks, look at his hair. He didn't have white hair when he was here yesterday. Uh, what happened, Mr. Rogers? What happened to you? Tiny did it. He put his hands around her throat. Tiny did it. Oh, he's out of his head. Dora, it's, huh? it's true. On the other side of the bed, Mrs. Smith. She's on the floor. Oh, maybe... Maybe she's fainted. No. No, no, there's marks on her neck. Say, Rogers, cut the act. Maybe you killed her. Tiny did it. With his hands on her throat, make him get off the bed. Make him get off the bed and open these cups. Make him get off the bed. There's no one on the bed, Mr. Rogers. Don't lie to me. I can see him. He's right in front of me, lying on the bed. But, Mr. Rogers, the bed's empty. The spread hasn't even a wrinkle but in it. But I see him. I see him. It's tiny, I tell you. It couldn't be, Mr. Smith. Even if something was there, it couldn't be, Mr. Smith. It couldn't? No, he was killed. Police found him with four bullets in him. He was in a black sedan, they said. We heard it on the radio this morning. They found him dead about two miles from here. Yes, they described him on the radio, too. And we knew it was Mr. Smith. <laughs> He died about half past twelve last night. Yeah, they they said he had big hands. Like Mr. Smith. <laughs> but the funny thing is, he had a key in his hand. A key? Yes, Mr. Rogers, a trunk key. A little trunk key in one of his great big hands. <laughs> <laughs> shadows and stillness, mystery weaves a spell of strangest fascination, charging the mind with doubts and fears. For mystery is a strange companion, a living memory in the haunting hour. The Hands of Mr. Smith from The Haunting Hour here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was my selection, and there's a couple reasons I selected that. First of all, we had not done an episode of The Haunting Hour since episode 28 of our podcast, which is over 200 ago. Death Um, wears a strange mask. (laughs) Yep, the one that took place in the masquerade, and... Uh, we uh, we made fun of it. Did yeah. you bring that one or did no, Tim? Was Tim? I brought that one. I was looking for what turned out to be the episode I was looking for was the Caves of Alibaba, I think. Oh. Yeah. And so I tracked this one down thinking that maybe this is the one I'm trying to remember, but it wasn't. But I brought it anyways. What's interesting is that the, the, the Masquerade one that Tim brought wasn't great. But I think that Dunning in our intro put it exactly right. Typical mystery ambiance. Uh, it is uh, bread and butter, uh, meat and potatoes, uh, old comfortable blanket of uh, mystery, 
tolling church bells, echoing footsteps, high melodrama, everything that he said, it's exactly right. And I think that we accidentally stumbled on possibly the worst one in existence with that masquerade one. <laughs> I, I might have been unfair to it because I was looking specifically for right. something else and this wasn't it. But it was full of holes, that one we did. it. it it's not great. As I listened to more, because I wanted to bring another haunting hour because how long it's been. I listened to five or six of them and they're all the same uh, reaction of, yeah, that's tropey, but pretty good. That's tropey, but pretty good. You know, it, it's not, wow, mind-blowing storytelling, but yeah, that's pretty good. But the other reason, other than we hadn't done one in a long time, that I wanted to bring it is because I'm fascinated by the mystery of this mystery show. Nobody's credited. Nobody knows who these people are. That's why the opening was so vague. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the digital deli, they've got all sorts of contradictory information. I mean, they acknowledge that it's contradictory. Like mm-hmm. some people think there's a complete run of the haunting hour that was broadcast in 1945. So it must have been produced in that area wherever it was originally aired. Right. But then someone can find it aired somewhere based on uh, radio guide clippings from 1944 um and then it was played as late as 1946 and then i read the reason there are any even in existence is because it was broadcast a lot on the armed forces radio network and no one really knows where it originated other than it was syndicated and it was played a lot through many decades even past the end of old time radio through the armed forces radio network but because it was by transcription we don't know who the actors are the writers the directors we don't know where it came which boggles me like can someone just step forward and go oh yeah that was that's who did this it's 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 like hard to step forward when you're dead right but it's like moon over africa which is also a mystery which is something we can't do in this podcast. but anyway well i will say i'm fascinated by it this episode i loved the performances the Mm -hmm. the voices were amazing these are like some really good radio actor voices so i i would not buy into these are random goons from the office no they're professional actors for sure Oh, the one thing that Digital Deli points out, though, is we think it was really popular in Wisconsin because the only newspaper clippings they can find of advertising the show are primarily around the Wisconsin area newspapers. (laughs) So it must have been really popular in Wisconsin. And so I, I wanted to bring it for that reason because, A, it's a mystery in itself, and B, I don't think we gave it fair kudos the first time around. And C, uh, it was time for another one. There's a lot of them floating around out there. It's not only the second episode of Haunting Hour we've listened to, it's the second story involving a character with giant murder hands. Yes. Because as you recall, we did the Hands of Death from the Sealed Book, which also featured another deranged gentleman with... Uh, murdery hands, <laughs> yeah, which has the Venn diagram overlap with uh, killers who like milk. Yes, <laughs> right, right. And it's our second one in a row with the Smith in it. Another connection with last week's episode is uh, both Smith episodes end with the main character uh, laughing maniacally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All that being said, it was really fun to listen to. Some of them weren't great. Because I struggle. I'm like, I'm in my 30th thing I've listened to, and I'm just not the perfect one. Like, I don't have time for this. Just send them this one. But I did enjoy this one when I listened to it. Um, I want to send you guys something sometimes, like, this will blow their minds, and it's just, I've discovered something. And sometimes i got to go, you know what, just a good story is a good story. And, and I thought this was a pretty decent yeah. story. I gave up blowing you guys' mind <laughs> two years ago. So. so what did you guys think of it? Well, as, as much as we are describing this series as having uh, 
this bad thesis statement, but um, <laughs> uh, being like, this is sort of meat and potatoes horror story. Mm-hmm. The opening to this series was really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. Very striking. Do not break the stillness of this moment. I just yep. think that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But but the opening to this particular story also standing quiet on the street waiting for the guy to come out. And I think he played the dumb big guy just under the wire of cartoony. Those two actors playing those roles, I was totally in. Like yep. whatever, yeah. whatever the story is, I'm happy to be part of this. Yep. I'm always down for the Georgian Lenny, right. Mice it is of the, Men vibe. Right, like, right. I mean, it's really on the nose in, in, yeah. in a really fun way. I mean, not exactly. He immediately puts Tiny down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does it for reasons of greed um, and self-protection, uh, not mercy like George does. But Right. That fun game of, like, keep your hands in your pockets. Don't touch them. Hands in your pockets. Don't touch them. Oh, you killed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that he just couldn't help himself. I think it's arguable that there's ambiguity as to what happened. And I like to think that he did show up, his ghost, and he was in the bed, and it wasn't his conscience. Do you know what I mean? That he did come and kill him, <laughs> and that he was laying there. And uh, Because I like the supernatural <laughs> explanation better than the conscience one. I don't think it's very ambiguous. It didn't strike me as very ambiguous. That you think that- I think it's... Has to clearly be a ghost. If there's any weakness to this story, to me, it's the final moments trying so hard to hammer home that it is a ghost to make sure there is no ambiguity. The line like the little tiny key in his big giant hands, right? You know? right. Um, and so if that key is there, you're right. There then the ambiguity open, goes away. They found it on his dead body, but the trunk is open and the money's strewn all over. Um, if we are to believe it's all as conscious, then we have to stop believing the earlier parts of the story. And I think for narrative integrity, we have to believe that up until the moment, at least, that they saw Tiny on the bed, that everything that happened was true. Right. And if you believe that, then it had to have been supernatural. Right. That moment was jarring enough to me that it actually entertained me of, like, did he come back from the dead and then take a nap? <laughs> Wait, wait, are you saying when they see him on the bed? Yeah. yeah. I found that the understated mm. moment incredibly creepy. Because what I yeah. was expecting was the audio equivalent of a jump scare at any moment, right? They keep hearing noises. Yep. The cop comes to the door. I thought at any moment we were going to hear a, a tiny at their ear going, I'm going to kill you. Right, and right. organs sting and big. And it was like they were scared. They were scared. And then like, look in the room. Yeah, he's on the bed, and then I was like, "What is he doing on the bed?" And at that moment, I was yeah. really engaged. It was the, and it's not a criticism. It's because I was so expecting something bigger like that that I had to go back and like, did I miss something? What happened? Yeah. So a couple things. First of all, for me, Joshua, the ambiguity was present that it could be either up until the very last line when they say, "Oh, and they found the key in his hand." To that point, it could have been the conscience playing havoc with them. I was led to believe yeah. that it could be either. But when she's strangled, do you think rusted it? Yeah. Could have been a lot of things. Strangled herself. She imagined <laughs> it. Um, the other thing is when they approach him on the bed. Yes. There's so many ways that they could have done this. And you say jump scare. So I jumped. <laughs> when Tiny goes, hey there. 
just that quiet. And I went, oh, I jumped and I went, oh my God, he just talked. And I had this vision of him, you know, laying there like dead, mm-hmm. eyes closed. And then just opening his eyes and go, hey, oh my God, I thought it was brilliantly done, understated. And I visualized the whole scene and it scared me. It's definitely over the top, yet that scene somehow is so vivid. You know the old expression from the sublime to the ridiculous is but a step? It kind of works <laughs> right. in reverse. This is so ridiculous, but it also somehow becomes sublime in that final moment that it's a really strange and affecting image uh, when he coerces Claire closer to the bed, saying... Oh, I want you to have the key. The money's right. for you. And right. he grabs them both and he says, My hands are better than guns. Right. And he said, I could hold you here forever. And so you have this image of this giant man just holding them in this death lock by the wrist. And that really should be absurd. Yep. But somehow it's terrifying. It reminds me of images from a David Lynch film that are often just right on that edge of comical and horrifying. Right. It's a payoff from that pitch perfect driving him out in the middle of nowhere and like mm-hmm. give me the gun give me the money and as thing by thing is taken from him of like because he and Claire were married was that yes yeah that your yeah. your wife doesn't believe in you I, I don't know if it's explicit or implied that the two of them were having an affair I think so I think there's a reason that his revenge takes place in the bedroom <laughs> yeah so he like all these things that like 10 minutes ago he took for granted about friendship and his marriage and his future and this money and his place just falls away from him so quickly that when he is a pretty different guy as yeah. a ghost, the change is really palpable and meaningful of life. Yeah. He took a big blow. but <laughs> This kind of made me want to see a... Uh ghost story version of, of Mice and Men where Lenny comes back. Like, Tell me about the rabbits now, George! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I like how experienced and educated and mature Tiny comes back as, as a ghost. I learned a lot in that four seconds when you shot me. <laughs> That's a really and, great way of putting uh, it. I, uh, I did a lot of growing up. Like, he just got smarter. And more wise and jaded in death. And probably the motivation for, I I don't know how you come back as a ghost, but I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to claw my way or dig my way out of my grave. Right. With my giant shovel-like hands. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the performances also of the wife, Claire, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Russ. Russ, right. Mr. Rogers. Right, Mr. Rogers again. (laughs) Another Mr. Rogers. Um, I really like this story a lot. Well, one of the things I really found interesting about it is that starting at the moment Russ kills Tiny in the car and Tiny says, I will dig my way out of my own grave to get revenge. Mm -hmm. As a listener, you're like, cool, (laughs) it's going to be a ghost story, right? Right. And then we go back to the apartment and she's like, he's come back and you're like, ghost story. But then when he shows up on the bed and well, also the car with the blood on it. Yep. It takes this twist where it's like, no, he shot him, but it, he just didn't kill him. And he's this giant right. guy, and he's still alive, and he passed out on the bed. Yeah. yeah. And I totally 
forgot about the ghost story element. I was like, oh, great red herring. This is not a ghost story. Mm-hmm. He just, by sheer force of will, drove the car, drove the car back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the second twist, accompanied by, I think, a really interesting and surprising change in perspective from leaving Claire and Russ to the, in the bedroom being held possibly forever right. <laughs> in his giant hands to the, the rope to the ropers. <laughs> the ropers, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. also the the red herring encouraging sort of detail of like there was a sound in the bathroom. Oh, it's a nail polish. Yeah, I love that that everything was explainable awayable for yes. a while, you know? Yeah. And tiny, and not to be ironic <laughs> that that was his name, Tiny, but the small little things that could be very easily explained away that turns out, nope, worst fear, it wasn't the wind knocking the nail polish mm-hmm. bottle off. Or those things are like, it was. Also, there's a ghost coming to kill you. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> While I enjoyed the performances, I am going to criticize, and it's going to sound nitpicky. Eric. The- <laughs> Eric, you suck. <laughs> no, uh, the, I saw it coming. The, the gentleman who plays Russ does the worst fake yawn. Oh, <laughs> and he, and he does yeah. it over and over again. It is so bad. I have an extremely sensitive echo trigger for yawns, right? Like, and he just yawned over and over again, and no yawn. Yeah, that's not a yawn. Are you doing like an impression of a seal? What are you doing? It's like the big bird snore. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good, big bird snore. I I mean, that was impressive. Yeah, sir. There is some critic of like haunting hour is going to be the biggest show in the history of the world. What is that yawn? (laughs) What is that supposed to be? Ah, forget it. Well, what other thoughts did you guys have? Well, we are heaping the show with praise, and I do think it deserves it, but I feel like the final beats with Mr. and Mrs. Married Stereotype, the Ropers, um, uh, well, fun and everything, uh, the dialogue switched to what I associate with The Haunting Hour. Right. It was bigger, it was more melodramatic, it Mm -hmm. was more explanatory than I think... It necessarily yeah. needed to be, and so I admit I had a little disappointment there. Right. The rest of it is so good and so unexpectedly good. Not at all what I, at least I expected, and right. um, it manipulated me in really interesting ways and played with perspective and narrative. And so I was just a little disappointed when the last line is. A little tiny key in his big giant hands. You know, like almost like she's talking to a baby. Right. And the fact that did they really give that much detail on the news report they heard? Um, but that's how the news was back then, Joshua. <laughs> but a again, little tiny key was found in a big giant hand today. <laughs> did I just sound like Ted Baxter? Yes. Always. Oh no. Mayor, mayor, hurry, mayor. Uh, All right, well, let's uh, throw it to a vote then. Tim, I want you to start. I don't know that I would call it a classic. Um, Oftentimes we we talk about classics in terms of the series as a whole, so it's hard to like, like, this was a classic haunting hour of the two I've heard. (laughs) Classic. Um, I, I think I'm appreciating 
the latter part of the show in this discussion more than I did in the moment of listening to it. Um, but I really loved the opening, yep. the, the whole arc from we're going to rob this guy to uh, I'm going to kill you. Just chef's kiss. Ah. I had to explain what a chef's kiss was before I did that. So it's like I put my, you know what a chef's kiss is. <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually got a chef in here. And he kissed him. It sounded like I was eating chicken. <laughs> uh, stance test time. I think this is fantastic. Um, yeah, it's not a classic in the context of all old-time radio horror, but I'm going to be bold, unlike Tim, and say it is definitely a classic haunting hour of the two episodes of the haunting <laughs> hour I have heard. Uh, the acting from the leads, uh, despite the yawning issue, uh, was <laughs> really, really good. Um I really enjoyed the whole, it's a ghost story. No, wait, it isn't a ghost story. Ah, gotcha, it is a ghost story. And, and particularly the scene in the bedroom when Tiny returns is just so compelling in a very idiosyncratic way. It's one of those scenes like I've never heard anything like right. this on radio, so <laughs> yeah. I have to give it a lot of credit for that. Yeah. So despite that clunky dialogue at the end, I think it really surprisingly stands the test of time yeah. and I thoroughly enjoyed it nice. um, above and beyond just listening to it through Eric's ears which I always enjoy doing when he has a pick to kind of figure it out uh, and from your perspective I, I really understood why you liked it and sometimes yeah. I understand why you liked it and I went I understand why Eric liked it. <laughs> <laughs> right. but this is where I was like yeah I can see why Eric liked this and I like it too you know it really it gets to the castle and it does. Uh, it's got the supernatural mm -hmm. elements and uh mm -hmm. yeah so the haunting hour is a little all over the place there's no consistency to it so out of the eight or nine or ten now that i've listened to it is definitely a classic so far of all the haunting hours i've listened to there's a few that are pretty good uh i think this is one of the better if not the best i've heard so far and there's some that are just outright terrible at the haunting hour um performance wise acting wise so it stands the test of time. It's a good story. You know, you kill a guy and he comes back and he wants to, and he kills you. You know, hold your hand. he took his wife. And, <laughs> but I will say this, and I do think that someone could listen to this stands the test of time, but I will say this, that the scene in the bedroom where he's laying there and he goes up to him and he says, hey, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then grabs him and all that. I'm going to say this. That scene is a classic of old time radio. That scene in itself is one of the better scenes I've ever listened to. Mm -hmm. I, I loved that. And that's really what sold me to go, okay, that put this whole thing over the top. That was really fun. All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. We have many episodes there. You can vote in polls. Let us know what you think of them. You can leave comments. You can argue with other listeners because that's what the internet is for. <laughs> um, you can link to our social media pages. Uh, you can send us requests, episodes you'd like us to listen to. You can go to our Threadless store and buy merch. And you can go to Patreon and support us. Yes, you can go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast, as Tim just said. In fact, you don't need to believe me. You can hear it straight from a patron who has sent us their testimonial. I don't know that this has happened because this is the fourth episode we've recorded in a row, but I am confident enough to introduce a patron right here and let them say why it is great to be a patron themselves. Take it away, patron. 
Hey guys, greeting from Canada. Just wanted to say how much I enjoy the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. This is easily the best group if you're a fan of old-time radio. The discussions are amazing, and your wealth of knowledge and insight into old-time radio is phenomenal. I started out as a member and very quickly moved up to a mysterious master, and I'm very happy to be able to support this group. I really appreciate all the time and effort that it must take you to put all the content together, and I'm happy to do what I can to help out. The member benefits like Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio, Cliffhangers of Doom, and your live shows are fantastic. But really, what takes it to a whole new level for me is the monthly happy hour. Really enjoyed those, and the participation from everybody is phenomenal, and it makes being a Patreon supporter well worth it. Please, guys, please, please, please keep up the great work. Looking forward to hearing a lot more from you and being a Patreon subscriber for a long time. You can also see us perform live. The Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company, I guess is what we are. Uh, we do live old uh, time radio. Keep working on the name. Yeah, right. <laughs> we perform monthly uh, classic radio dramas for old time radio and a lot of original work. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time. To find out where we're playing and what we are doing every month, Go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com and there you will see what we're doing this month and where. And if you can't make it to that particular place, for whatever reason, you're busy, you live a long way away, you can buy a ticket to watch us live stream, as always, and you can watch that live stream anytime you want. You don't even have to be there that evening. So please, get a ticket. Come see us. We'd love to see you one way or the other. What are we doing next? This just in. Next time, we have a listener request from a Patreon supporter, Jessica. We will be listening to The Parade from X-1. Until then... Just in case there are any listeners out there who think your mysterious old hosts are feigning social media illiteracy as some kind of shtick, here's an outtake of Tim and I struggling to explain Patreon to Eric. You haven't been on Patreon, though. Did you see his childhood caricature of him as the shadow? No. Done at a convention? No. You should visit our Patreon page occasionally. I never do. <laughs> I, I know. I'm not even sure how to get there. Um, hmm. I wonder if I've ever said out yeah, loud you have. in your presence, <laughs> patreon.com slash the morals. <laughs> okay, so if I go to patreon.com slash the morals patreon.com slash the but i didn't know no could, you'll have to log in you're right you won't get access to that for, or, for, or oh no that, it's like you got lost citizen only how do you spell patreon patreon it's just mm. how it sounds patreon.com slash the morals yes um i could become a patron i could just pull it up it's, yeah it's i've got easier. it here what are you looking for if you need to log in or not what I'm saying is, I didn't know the Patreon page had content that we posted. I thought it was a place for people to go to uh, sign up but, to get oh, But the, that's where they get all the bonus material. Yeah. That's where everything but is. But so. why would I go to listen to our oh, show? No, no, I know. But and sometimes people post stuff and comment on the episodes. That's what I didn't know, that there, yeah. there was yeah. a, a, so a social can, media yes. aspect to yeah. it. Where would I go to see this social media stuff? 
It's just on patreon.com slash the morals, but I don't even remember what the password is. Well, now that we recorded that entire conversation, <laughs> I'm going to keep it. It's going to bring back memories for you, I haven't Joshua. gotten this text yet. Well, okay. I'll try again. Here's Tim. Here's a text.